Today is a very special Sunday for us because we are going to explore the vision for where God is moving us throughout the next year. This next year is a year of hope. We are beginning a new season, a new era in the life of Church Northwest. <clears throat> We've gone through, obviously, pandemic and... Um, well, we're still going through the pandemic worldwide, but we've had this lockdown where we've had to be physically distanced from each other and hidden away in our homes, and we've had this online church presence, which has been amazing, but it, there's been something missing about being together in the room, hasn't there? It's really cool that we can be back and we can sort of just interact with each other. So there's this new season of being back in church. We've got a new setup. It looks a little bit different in the room. And it's also the second year of Church Northwest's existence. We celebrated our one-year party last week, which was a little belated. We started in um, April of last year. And so there's, there's this kind of newness that's, that's happening. And so we wanted to take this week and the next couple of weeks to kind of just lay out where we feel God is taking us. Where is God moving us as a church? To do this, I wanted to explore a story. Um, it's a really interesting story in the Old Testament of the Bible, and we're going to have a look at it, and it really captures the heart of what we want Church Northwest to be about. Okay, So we're going to talk about the story, we're going to explore it for a little bit, and at the end we're going to talk about who we are as a church community and how that explains to us where we're moving forward. Fair enough? We're all good? We're tracking? We're awake? Excellent. Let me pray and then we'll dive in. Lord, I thank you for giving us this beautiful community, this wonderful church that you have created, that you have led us to lead, and you've drawn us all into. I ask today that you would help us to really see your heart for where we're going to go in this next year, that we would be able to rise to new heights and that you would help us to be a real light um, to each other and to those around us in the community. So guide me as I speak, speak through me. Um, Spirit, I ask that you would take the words that come out of my mouth and use them to change our hearts. Um, it's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so in this story comes in a rather dark time in Israel's history. So if you remember in our... Um, Story of God and Man series that we worked through during lockdown, we were talking about the history of the nation of Israel and then Jesus came and how like history has played out. So our story comes around 570 odd years before Jesus. Okay, So this is a time when the people of God, the Israelite nation, they have been attacked and invaded by the Babylonian Empire, and they've been hauled off into exile into Babylon. Okay, So they're living in a foreign land, and they're amongst foreign people, which would have been traumatic in and of itself for them. But really at the heart of their trauma was the fact that they had been separated away from their promised land. This was the land that God had promised to give them, which was symbolic of God's blessing or happiness or lovingness towards his people. This land was the place where God himself lived with them. And now they're separated from all of that. Okay, So they're in this place. It's a foreign land. It's a different culture. It's a different way of doing life, different language, different customs. 
and they are separated from the God that they have been worshipping. Okay, so it's a, it's a dark time for them. Physically, spiritually, their security and their promise was gone. And so there was this phrase that was circulating amongst the people. They would be saying things like this. They would be saying, we have become old, dry bones. And you can pop this up on the screen, Elaine. We've become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. And this was the sentiment of the people around this time. They just felt drained and hopeless. Do you relate to this idea? This dry bones sentiment? Does that resonate with you at all about feeling helpless or lifeless? What are, what are some of the things that might make us feel like dry bones? This is a part where you can interact. If you haven't been part of Church Northwest for a while, you may not know we like to, we like to have a two-way street up here. So give me some ideas. What are some things that might drain us and make us feel like dry bones? Sin. Sorry? Our sin, yep, things that we have done against God, things that God did not like for us to do. We do them, and that makes us feel separated, doesn't it? That makes us feel distinct and, and separated from God. What else? Just like feeling overwhelmed by busyness of life and just like run down. Yep, so busyness of life. And feeling run down by just this go, 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 go. Got to get this done. Got to achieve this. Got to have this sorted. And the pressures that we feel to make sure that our day is full from beginning to end. Or otherwise we're not productive, good citizens or anything like that. Yeah, that can, that can leave us drained of all energy and life. Anything else? Broken relationships. That's a good one. When, especially the closer the relationship then the more broken it is, the more lifeless we feel. It drains us in all areas of life, not just in that relationship, but just in all of our relationships, sometimes it can be draining and we can feel helpless, lifeless. Very good. Anyone else? I know for me, one of the things that makes me feel hopeless is my own battles within the darkness of my own mind sometimes. And I know many of you would... Feel this at different times, but whether depression or anxiety or something, um, with mental health issues is a big thing in our country, something I deal with just a little bit. And yeah, it just makes you feel like dry bones, like there's just no life. And honestly, this world seems to be descending into chaos so much, right? There just seems to be so much hopelessness. Some of the stuff we've mentioned applies to us, the, the situations around the world, the chaos, the, the rioting, the, the everything, the, the injustices that we're witnessing, the pandemics that we're witnessing. There just seems sometimes like there's just no hope in the world. And sometimes it's not big and dramatic. Sometimes it is the mundane things in our lives that leave us helpless. Like, do I have enough money to pay the bills? Do I have enough money to do the things that I'm supposed to do for my children or feel that I'm supposed to do for my children? Or do I have enough uh, to, to sort of put food on the table and all of that sort of stuff? So financial um, threats and financial insecurities can sometimes make us feel lifeless and drained. And I know that's an experience of many, 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 many New Zealanders. 
Many people who have low incomes feel this. Many people who have high incomes feel the pressure of financial insecurity as well. Sometimes it's just the way that we see money and the way that we operate with money just leaves us lifeless and hopeless. And it pushes us to the point where we cry out alongside those ancient Israelites and we just say, we've become old, dry bones. Or maybe not old, but dry bones, right? And we just feel lifeless. We feel like we're finished. All hope is gone. Now, this phrase is important because as we move through the story that we are going to go through, we see that God... He's giving this metaphor, this sort of vision, and we're going to talk about this vision, but it's not just some random metaphor that he has picked out to show people. He has heard this phrase, we have become old dry bones, our hope is gone. He hears it, and then he speaks directly to it. So when we talk about this dry bones story, it's not random. It's not like God says, hey, you know what? This would be kind of a fun idea to talk about. No, he says, I see you feel like old dry bones. So let's talk about old dry bones. Let's see what I can do with old dry bones. Do you see how that draws us into the story? We are not just really outside spectators. We resonate with the story that we're going to hear. Yeah? Cool. All right. Let's have a look at this video. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, You alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, and say to it, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life, and stood up on their feet, a vast army. All right, so if you've been in church for a while, you may have come across this passage before. If you haven't, you may have heard sermons or songs referring to dry bones. Have you ever come across that? There's a lot of worship songs at the moment now that talk about dry bones, and you're like, what about dry bones? Like, what are you saying? What does that even mean? This is where that comes from. These strange little references to skeletons comes from this story where God brings these bones back to life. 
So as we begin, we see that um, Ezekiel is drawn out by the Spirit into this dry bone valley, right? Now, we don't know whether or not this is a, like, God literally picked him up and took him to a valley that was full of bones. We don't know if this was real or whether this was a vision. I think the language could probably go either way. Honestly, I don't think it matters because the story, the thing that happened is less important than the message of why it happened, okay? So we need to remember that as we go through. Although, it does raise some interesting questions if it is real. Like suddenly you now have this vast army standing outside in this valley. Do they go back to Babylon? Like, you know, they get jobs. What, well, I don't know what, what's going to go on with them. They must have been really surprised too. This is like Avengers Endgame level of weirdness. But the, the point of this is, is again, not, not actually what happened, but why it happened, okay? So anyway... It would have felt very real to Ezekiel as he's going through this. And he is walking around this, um, he's walking around this valley. And there's all of these bones around him. And there's a couple of things that really become apparent that he, he specifically points out that is important to us. And one is there were a great many bones. It wasn't just a couple of skeletons scattered here and there. This was a huge array of bones. In fact, later on we hear the word army, but this is likely what it would have been. He was likely walking through a battlefield. And this would have been all of the soldiers who had died in battle. And this probably reminded Ezekiel and anyone listening to the story of the fact that the Babylonians had just come in and defeated them, and this would have represented or would have possibly even been the battlefield where Israel lost to Babylon. And this is the soldiers of Israel that have been scattered out here. And the fact that they have not been buried but are scattered out here, and the fact that it was the Babylonians that did it, tells us that this is not just some battle, but this is the judgment of God against Israel. Okay, now that little detail is, is, is important as we go through. That this probably represented not only dry bones in the way that the Israelites felt, but it would have also represented the fact that the Israelites had been judged by God. That's why the Babylonians came in in the first place. That's why God sent them in to, to um, defeat them, because they were, they were worshipping other gods. They were sinning. They were doing those things. And so he came in to exile them. So this, this kind of things going through people's head as they're listening to this. The other thing that's really important is he notes that they were very dry, okay? Now, we've talked about this. This dryness is symbolic of there's just no life left in them. They've been out in the sun for a long time. They're dried out. There's no, nothing resembling any kind of flesh or blood or anything like that. They're gone. This is utterly they're utterly dead. Does that make sense? So there is no life, no possibility of life in there. No glimmer of hope, no hope for rescue, no coming back. All right, so Ezekiel would have related the scene very quickly to the hearts of his people. The way that they felt, they felt judged by God. They felt like they were on the wrong side of God. And they felt utterly helpless and separated from him. Yeah? Okay. And then in verse 3, God asks a peculiar question. And he says, can these bones become living people again? Isn't that an interesting question? 
Can these bones become living people again? Now, two and a half thousand years later, we know the answer, right? I mean, we've heard the stories of Jesus. We've heard the stories of Lazarus. We know that people can come back from the dead. We know that that's part of God's plan. We know that that's the story of the Bible. Hooray! Yes, God, of course living people can come again. But hold on. In Ezekiel's mind, he doesn't know any of that. Okay? So the way that the Bible story plays out, the idea of resurrection, of coming back to life, of a life after death, hadn't really fully developed by that point. He probably would have had ideas and inklings, but there was no sort of theology around the idea that when you die, there's something else and you come back to life, right? So just like the idea of the Trinity or something like that, God reveals himself and he reveals his plan throughout history. So at this point, he doesn't know. And in fact, he's looking at the situation and he's seeing these, this is the result of God's judgment. And God asks him, can I reverse my judgment? And that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because the answer really would then be no. Because God, you judged, we cannot undo what you have judged. There's a finality to what has happened. And so poor Ezekiel is kind of stuck between these two, two sort of positions where God is powerful enough to do whatever he wants. He created them in the first place. But also he has decreed that there would be judgment. And so we can't assume or demand anything of him, Right? We can't demand that he would just go ahead and do that. So he says, O sovereign Lord, powerful one, only you know. Very diplomatic, isn't it? You know, he could, he'd be a great politician. Only you know, God. This is above my pay grade. I recognize that you have the power to do what you want, but I also recognize that I don't get to decide what you do. Does that make sense? And that's interesting for us as we consider this question because this question is a powerful question that resonates off the pages of the Bible and echoes through the centuries and hits us right square in the forehead and asks us, can the hopelessness that we see in the world, can that be reversed? Can life come from lifelessness? And gosh, again, we know, right? We know the story of the Bible, but do we believe it? When we look at a world that is so hopeless in so many areas, do we believe that God can bring life into that again? When we see people are so adamantly separated from God, who are so adamant that God either does not exist or is not who we say he is, that he is not for them, and they are like the exiles, completely cut off from the presence of God by their own choice. Do we believe that life can come into them again? Do we believe that they can be reconciled to God? We need to answer that question in our own hearts, especially as we move forward in the way that we're going to be moving forward this year, the way that we're going to try and engage the community around us. We have to ask ourselves, Do I believe God can do this? Or perhaps a better question, do I believe he will do this? So, something to consider as we move through the story. 
We know he has the power to do it, and yet we know we cannot demand anything of him. And so we're almost in Ezekiel's position. Only you know, God. But then he tells us in this story. He tells us what he wants to do with old dry bones. And so we move on into verse 4. And he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And then there's almost like this awkward pause where God's like, go ahead, go ahead, do it. And Ezekiel's like, "Uh, uh, wait, what? You want me to actually talk to bones? You want me to actually say to these bones, like, this is not just some cool message and we're going to go back and talk about it later. No, you want me to stand in the middle of a dry valley here. You want me to stand in the middle of this dead army and actually talk to bones. Can you please not tell anyone else that I'm doing this? They will think I'm crazy. Which again is sometimes how we feel, isn't it? We feel that, right? We feel that when we think about trying to speak to the community, when you speak to people and we say to someone and we start talking to people about God and about Jesus and he came back from the dead and one day you'll come back from the dead too. If you believe in Jesus, you'll live in heaven forever and everything will be great and all tears will be wiped from your eyes and, and also Jesus was born to a virgin. Don't worry about that. And, and Jonah was swallowed by a whale and the earth was created in, in six days um, a few thousand years ago. Don't worry about all of that sort of stuff. God is real, right? And we think, we well, this sounds so preposterous to a world that doesn't believe any of that stuff, right? We must have felt like Ezekiel sometimes talking out, speaking to bones. And we do feel that way. But here's the cool thing. Ezekiel's been playing this game with God long enough to know you feel preposterous, but you just go ahead and do it anyway. It's going to be bad for you if you don't. But if you do, something cool might actually happen. And so he does. He says, I prophesied as I was commanded. And this amazing thing happened. As I was prophesying, um, there was a noise and a rattling sound and the bones came together. And um, bone to bone, I looked and the tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to her, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breath from the four winds, breathe into these slain that they may live. And so Ezekiel's thinking, well, I'm not going to stop now. All right, this is obviously something's happening. So I prophesied and sorry, I lost my spot there. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up at their feet, a vast army. And we stood there and looked at each other and said, now what? But this is the power of the story, isn't it? This is what the story does. This is the hope of the story of dry bones. Not only does God say, you need to prophesy out into a world that is separated from me, out into a world filled with hopelessness and dry bones and people who have just given up. But I'm going to do something. Something actually happened. 
And God could have just said to him, trust me, I'm going to do cool things. But he's like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to show you what I want to do with these dry bones. And later on, he keeps going. And verse 11, if you can pull that up. And he says that these, repre- these bones represent the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We're cut off. Therefore, prophesy to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. This is the hope that God extends. This is the power of God wants to do. This is the story of the entire Bible. God takes lifelessness and breathes life into it. All right? Many of us have experienced this. Maybe you haven't. Maybe this is foreign to you as well, something to think about. But he takes hopelessness and brings hope to it impossibly, right? He brings hope impossibly into impossibly hopeless situations. That's the miracle that has happened. That's the miracle of what Jesus does in people's lives. And that is the miracle that represents the way that I would love our church to be in our community. I want us to be Ezekiel's in this community, to share the message, to speak into people's lives, to speak hope, to speak life. This is going to be a year of hope for us. There's something else in the story that we need to understand. God could have taken Ezekiel out, dumped him in the valley, given him a lazy boy to sit in, bunch of popcorn, and said, watch what I'm about to do. Right? He could have done that. Because it's his power. He's doing everything, right? But instead, he says, Ezekiel, you talk to the bones. You speak to them. You prophesy. What's that all about? Why does, why, why does Ezekiel have to do something? And it shows that there is this partnership that God initiates with Ezekiel. God has the power to do anything, but he says, I want you to be involved in this. I still haven't figured out why. I still haven't figured out why he thinks we are a good conduit for his message, but he did. And he says to us, We are partnering together. Not an equal partnership. All right, we're not 50-50 in this. But he gives us the power to go and do. So we cannot just sit back and let God change our community. He's calling us to go out into the community and do that. And that's what we're about. So moving into kind of vision stuff. If you pull up our vision statement, um, We kind of came up with this statement about what we want Church Northwest to be. We want to be helping each other take our next step towards Jesus. That's the core of who we are. And we want to be defined as a community by growing faith in Jesus, a genuine love for all people, and an active hope for Northwest Auckland and beyond. 
Now, for the first year, we worked really, really hard at developing the faith and the love side of things. And it has been amazing. It has been fantastic to see everyone come together as a community, to be one Fano, to be a people together, loving each other, welcoming each other, getting into each other's lives, and growing towards Jesus. I feel like we did that pretty decently well. But year two is going to be a year of that. We're not going to let go of that. But we are going to start in on hope. We want to bring hope to our community, an active hope, right? And there's a couple of different ways that I feel like we want to get involved in our communities. And the first is we want to bring hope to our finances. I mentioned sometimes that financial hardship is something that really strikes a lot of people in a lot of different life stages. But especially in this corner of Auckland, there's a lot of people doing it hard. There's a lot of people who feel like there is hopelessness in their financial situation. We're going to talk more next week about how that's going to look. We've got a partnership with Christians Against Poverty, and there's some cool things that we're going to be doing along with that. We're going to speak to that next week. So that's the first one, is hope in our finances. The second thing that we want to be active in is hope for our souls. There's a really interesting little bit in the story of the dry bones where the bodies came together, right? The bones came together, the muscles, the skin, everything But there was no life in it yet. What was required was breath in their their lungs to bring them to life. Now, this is a very common metaphor. In fact, God later explains it when he's talking about what he's actually going to do with people. He says, I'm going to put my spirit in you. His spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is part of God himself. When he comes, that's what brings us to life. So the financial thing that we want to do, financial help with our community, is kind of like the bringing the bones together. And it can make a huge impact in people's lives when we bring hope to that situation. But we don't want to leave it there because that is not enough to bring life, to bring that connection to God. We want to bring reconciliation between people and God. Yeah? That is what we want to be about. So we're going to explore that throughout the year as well and equip each other and help each other figure out how can we get in people's lives? How can we help each other? How can we share that message of hope in ways that are relevant, in ways that are not going to push people away, and in ways that are not going to be like, "Um, uh, you need Jesus, and then run away because that's not very effective. But ways that we can actually build relationships with people. So we're going to explore that together. So don't, don't get freaked out by what we're, <laughs> what we're all going to be about here, okay? Um, actually, and Aaron uh, Ironside, little wave, Aaron. Hi. He's going to come up and speak in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, just some stories around evangelism and, and how we can share that message as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. Although I'll have to listen to it on podcast because I won't be here. You said. Okay, so this is what I want Church Northwest to be like. This is, as a leadership, this is where we feel God is leading us. If you have questions or things that you want to discuss with that, please come and talk to us about it. This is not where we're going to leave it. We're going to keep talking. But you can email Hamish at churchnorthwest.nz, Nate at churchnorthwest.nz, Molly, Whitney, any of us. You can talk to us about that. Alan McGregor is one of our elders here, and you can berate him and and (laughs) talk to him. Richard Pollock is also another one of our elders. So when he's here, you can talk to him about that. But in the meantime, there's a couple of things that I'd like you to do. Some homework, if you will. And the first thing I want you to do is to pray. 
right now, for the next little while, I want you to be praying for your community, your neighborhood, your street. Pray for the people that God has placed around you. People in your natural networks, people who are at work with you, people who are at school with you, people who are naturally in the circles that you are in. Let's be praying for them. Let's just start there. Because when we open ourselves to God about people, God tends to tell us what's next. And the second thing is thinking. Thinking about who God has placed you around. What are your natural sort of networks, like I said? We often think we're an evangelist and we've got to go and, and meet someone, some stranger on the street and grab them by the shoulders and shake them until you know, all of their sense falls out and then we can tell them about Jesus and, and we want to drag them along to church and do all of that sort of stuff. But really, we should actually stop and think about who God already has placed in our lives. Who need that hope? And let's start there. So... Thinking, praying right now, and we're going to develop this as the year goes on.